What's up, everybody? I am Travesty. And I'm Cartoon Joe. And welcome back to another episode of this freaking show. It is the weekly podcast with a little bit of something and a whole lot of nothing. The same weekly podcast as brought to you by Freaknut Studios. Guys, check out FreaknutStudios.com and check out all the amazing podcasts that we are associated with, just like Just Freaknut Wrestling and The Gray Area. Again, FreaknutStudios.com is the best place for you to find links to all three of these great podcasts, just like this freaking show. Woohoo! Right? Do it, though. It's really going to be great. I worked hard to uh, create that website. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think I'm on like, like my twelfth thirty-two ounce cup of like black tea today. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, but this this one's kind of a bummer. It's like three gallons. I know. I drink a lot of fucking tea. Maybe it's not. I don't fucking know. This cup's thirty-two ounces. This is probably this is probably three. So ninety ninety-six. Gotcha. Nice. So I don't I don't know. It's just I think this one I had out in the sun too long. I think this is a little too baked. Oh, gotcha. I've done that before. I'm still gonna drink it. Oh, yeah, you don't waste tea. Nah, that shit's not going to waste. Fuck, no. Times are tough, Joe. We can't, can't be tossing out tea just cause it's a little off. Right? Right, just add water to it. Yeah. Yeah. Guys, uh, if you follow us on social media, which you should be, because we mention it to you every single week, uh, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at this freaking show, uh, we post it up on Facebook and Twitter, letting you guys know that we do have a guest here on the show, which I think this is, uh, the first guest we're gonna have on, uh, in quite some time, actually. I, I, I wanna say it's the first guest we've had in 2020, but I'm not really sure. Uh, just cause we've done I think shows. that's right. I, I wanna say it's right, too, because I'm, I know we had, uh, Oh my Sophie, I think. Well, I guess we technically we did have uh, Pretty Little Freaks on it. Oh yeah, time. yeah, yeah, we did. Um, but like an actual like guest guest that wasn't pertaining to like a podcast that failed for us. Um, I think it was Oh My Sophie. And that was probably the last one. Oh yeah, we Which, did have Oh My Sophie this year, didn't yeah, we? Yeah, yeah, I think that was around February or something. I can't remember. These, I can't these, either. These fucking days blend together, man. Yeah, time it's, it's, is it's, imaginary, right? I can't believe like we're already like, half through, halfway through this dumpster fire of a fucking year that uh, we've had. But it's gonna get better. This is the this is the turning point of 2020, and it's because you're listening to this freaking show, hosted by Travis D on Cartoon Joe. We're gonna have guests on. Uh, we actually have a few guests lined up over the next uh, probably month here um, to kind of uh, catch up with some of the former guests that we've had on the show. Like we have CJ Sandal on tonight. Um, sometime in the next, uh, coming weeks, uh, Jordan Trosh is going to be on, Bob Sally's going to be on, uh, oh, who's the other guy? Brian Lau. Brian yep. Lau is also going to be That's on. That's the one. Yeah. So, um, getting them all scheduled, getting them all figured out on how they're going to come on, how we're going to interview them and when they're going to be released, but it's all happening here in the next couple, uh, next month. Uh, just kind of give you guys a refresh on the uh, comics that they have going and everything. CJ, we're going to talk about the Act 3 here uh, with him in a little bit. And also to kind of just follow up with him, what he's been up to. But before we dive into that, we got to talk about what freaking happened this week. And, uh, Indeed we do. Joe, if you're ready, why don't you uh, go ahead? I am ready, and I hope that I didn't steal it from you by taking the first thing that popped up. 
No, mine, mine is, I, I decided to go with ones I know you wouldn't pick, so. Perfect. Perfect. So, on this day, as we're recording, it is July 7th, on this day in 1930, the construction of the Hoover Dam began. Oh, nice. Yeah, it took uh, only five years to build, uh, but it took almost 30 years to get it to happen. And uh, what else happened here? Yeah, it took forever, and uh, Hoover, I guess, worked on it almost that whole time, trying to get people to approve it, and they wouldn't do it and wouldn't do it. And then finally, when he was president, they were like, all right, fine, you're president, we'll do it. And, uh, yeah, and so it started to be built. And uh, if I remember correctly, and I, I I could be wrong, but I think it's it's the largest dam in the country, uh, biggest source of hydroelectric energy in the country as well. Sounds like, yeah. That's yeah certainly right. when it was built. Uh, yeah, who knows if things have changed. Yeah, it's one of the, um, and I don't know where it would rank, but it's one of those, it's like one of the biggest sightseeing uh, uh, landmarks in the country, you know, up there with uh, the Grand Canyon, Niagara uh, Falls, Niagara Falls uh, Mount yep. Rushmore, anything in oh, D.C. Yeah. itself, uh, Lincoln Memorial, Washington Monument, uh, the White House, uh, Nothing really, uh, Capitol, Hill. Capitol yeah. Hill. The Alamo, if you really want to bum yourself out with, uh, you know, high expectations. Yep. Yeah, I heard yep. that's not true. But, uh, I, I wanted to bring it up just as a, a sidebar so I could talk about Herbert Hoover, who's one of my favorite presidents and deserves a movie. So, he, he actually, uh, um, when he was a child, they thought he was dead. So they put coins on his eyes because that's what you did back then. Yeah. And uh, like a doctor actually came and pronounced him dead. And like six hours later, he like coughed and woke up and was like, what the hell, guys? <laughs> and then a few years later, his parents died and he ended up being raised by Native Americans. Then oh, wow. as a teenager, he became uh, very wealthy and used his immense fortune to buy food and supplies for troops during World War I, which is help, part of what helped uh, fuel his presidential run. So not just the, the money, but the popularity of, of being a dude who, like, sent hamburgers to, to troops. So he also invented a game called Hoover Ball, which is basically volleyball with a medicine ball. Really? Yeah. And it's awesome. I don't think I'm strong enough to play it, but it looks really cool. I think we played something like that in high school, but we called it Medic Ball. Yeah, I played a game like that before. But it wasn't uh it wasn't really uh I guess we weren't really throwing them at each other, it was like more like rolling or some goofy shit. I don't know. Gotcha. So my my choice for Oh, yeah. Joe, make a note. Um, you, me, and Clint are going to do a uh, freaking flick about a president that doesn't have a movie. Oh, excellent. That's your idea, by the way. Congrats. Oh, thanks. All right. Uh, July 9th, 1993. Uh, this is a Star Award recipient kind guy that I'm about to okay. tell you about. Lawyer falls to death, testing a window. Canadian Darwin Award winner Gary Hoy liked to demonstrate the tensile strength of his building's windows by running up against them and bouncing off, a stunt that he performed numerous times. However, 
On this fateful day, the window glass popped out of frame and Hoy plummeted to his death from the 24th story, earning him a Darwin Award. His unusual Uh, death... (laughs) He died (laughs) as he lived, running into windows. (laughs) His unusual death has been featured on TV shows Mythbusters, A Thousand Ways to Die, and the movie The Darwin Awards. Hoy, a senior partner, was described as one of the best and brightest at the firm, the firm closed three years later. Well, that's your best and brightest. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. If I knew this, if I knew then what I know now, this guy would have gotten an award at some point. Right. Right. Hey, there's always the end of July, right? Yep. Yep. Excellent. That's good. Joe, I got a message from CJ saying that he's ready to come on. I saw that. So, um, I'm going to go ahead and, uh, we're going to, uh, take a pause, uh, plug a, uh, sponsor. And when we come back, we will be talking to CJ Sandal, the creator of Rebirth of a Gangster. Sounds good. Why do you have to have the last, uh, word there, Joe? You I think told I, me I had to talk whenever you stopped talking. I know, but I was stopping talking so I could pause the show. God. Now, we're going to plug a sponsor. This episode of This Freaking Show is brought to you by BallWash.com. Now, it's no secret that the man's most prized possession also happens to be the most sensitive part of his body. Balls are prone to sweat, odor-causing bacteria, and irritation. Upgrade your balls game with quality products formulated to keep your skin healthy and fresh. Guys, that is where BallWash.com comes in. Go to BallWash.com right now. Check out the variety of products they have, as well as kits and subscriptions they have available for you. And when you hit that checkout button and you go to pay for that order, make sure you use the promo code FREAKNET, that's F-R-E-A-K-N-E-T, at checkout. It will save you 15% on your entire order. That's right, BallWash.com. When it comes to your sack, they got your back. And we're back uh, with CJ Standall. Thank you for joining us. Thanks again for having me. Uh, it's always been a pleasure to come, and it's been way too long. It, it has. That's my fault. I uh, uh, I was busy finishing school and doing this and doing that, and uh, uh, your emails got lost in the shuffle. It's all good, and it's not like you were in the middle of like a pandemic or anything like that. So. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Well, time time is so meaningless now, anyway. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but we're glad to have you. It's always a yes. joy. Mm-hmm. Yep, right for me too. So, but we, uh, I just got done, uh, reading your act three of Rebirth of a Gangster, which is, uh, if I may say so, the best so far. Thank you. I agree. I mean, it's of course probably something I'd say, but I do think it just is, I think I kind of found the voice even more so for the, for the series itself and all the characters. And I just think I also kind of picked up the pace a little bit more and we start to really see some of the, the huge ramifications of all of our characters' secrets and just kind of their, like, plans within plans. And so, yeah, I think it's just kind of, I think I was firing on all cylinders, um, and not to mention Juan Romero, of course, he was firing on all cylinders, the artist. Um, maybe even, yeah, maybe even partly because this, the last half of Act 3 was written just Marvel style, um, which I think, makes more sense. He knows how to, to lay out shots, how to lay out pages, stuff like that. Um, 
I might as well focus more on, yeah, the pace, the, the plot, the characters, the characterization, all that type of stuff. And I think that is one other reason that kind of the third one is definitely the best of the bunch so far. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, do you do you want to take a second and remind our listeners of uh, of what the story is about, and um, just just sort of I, I don't know that you need to bring them up to speed, but just uh, just a quick refresher. Sure. So the story is about essentially the Anderson and Thompson families who share a dark secret past. Um, that at the beginning of the series, the two sons of those families, um, Hunter and Marcus, they don't know those dark secrets. Hunter does find out those dark secrets early on and starts plotting revenge and it kind of gets sucks in not just Marcus um, and their parents, but also some other people kind of tangentially connected to them. And so we kind of start seeing this, uh, the, it juggles the past and present, kind of exploring those past dark secrets, which include some unsolved murders along with the present day revenge scheme started by Hunter Um and each chapter fo- focuses more intently on one of six of these uh, people who are either belong to the Hunter or to the Anderson and Thompson families or who are kind of really intricately connected to their lives. Um, mm-hmm. And so Act 3 kind of takes the place of um, focusing a little bit more on one of the real dark secrets of the family um, and leads to kind of one of the biggest confrontations within the uh, the series itself. I'm going to, of course, not spoil it, but definitely toward at the end of this the volume, I think it's kind of the biggest confrontation, the biggest um, climactic moment we've had in the series as a whole. Absolutely incredible. Thank you. Yeah, it gave me, I mean, it gave me chills when I read it. Uh, just you alluding to it right now gave me chills again. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. It was one of those moments just, um, I kind of, I, it was one of those moments that I knew was going to happen the whole time that I was writing the series. Um, but just kind of the way some of the characters shifted and just the way my process shifted, I think even me, it took a little bit by, by surprise, like how powerful that scene was. And just, um, again, yeah, not, I'm, a, I'm normally a pretty humble guy, I think, but not to keep to my own horn, but yeah, I do think again, it really no. came across very well and surprised me even with how well it was, um, well, how, how effectively it, it um, kind of just landed. Absolutely. And uh, by all means, take all the accolades. It's really oh, yeah, good. Yeah. It's, I've, I've said many times uh, when we've had you on, um, when we've talked about having you on, how badly this needs to be an HBO show or oh, something yeah. like that. And this, this, I mean, this really felt like that to me. Um, yeah, as, yeah. as it As it went, uh, I mean, from, from the beginning of this arc, I don't think it slowed down at all. Um, I, I think it was just uh, foot on the gas pedal, accelerated to 60, and just kept it there. Thank <laughs> the you. Yeah. Time. It was great. Uh, that is something. I think the first volume was a little bit slower pace-wise, which a lot of it was laying the foundation for um, the whole series, series as a whole, but especially moments like Act 3 and then the, the final volume, which will be Act 4. Um but I do think um, that, yeah, especially since that first, the first one was kind of that more methodical, purposeful pace, and Act Two, we kind of started revving it up. But then, yeah, Act Three and Act Four are really just kind of just pedal to the floor. Let's yeah. just get it up as fast as we can. And yeah, um, I think it's, um, it's. I guess it's kind of modeled in some sense off of. Like classic literature, as as you all know, I, I used to be an English teacher, so I'm I'm gonna kind of stumble into that territory a little bit. But just that idea of I think most classic pieces of literature tend to have that kind of slower, 
um, methodical pace at the beginning to really kind of lay the foundation and then the last half of, of a, of a book or last half of the story, um, really just kind of, we start seeing all the ramifications of that groundwork and it really just kind of keeps the pace really f- just flooring and, and moving quickly. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's just, it was, it's, it's, you build, you, you plant the seeds at the beginning and then you harvest them at the end and it's just, one takes less time. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Yeah. So, it, I mean, it, it's tremendous. And, and listeners, if you get the Thank chance, you. go, I mean, go right now. Stop, pause the show if you must and, and hop over on, on Amazon or Barnes and Noble and, and, and search, uh, honestly, search CJ Standle and buy all of his stuff. Oh, thank you. Yes, yeah, but yeah, so, that's but, definitely the. But this the, in particular is really good. Yes, the <laughs> flagship of the CJ Standle Writing Empire. Yep. <laughs> but thank you. Yeah. Yeah, you're welcome. So, um, thank you also, by the way, because it's I really, really, really enjoyed it. So. I'm glad. Uh, yeah, that seems to be the feedback so far from the 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 people that I've uh, and critics that I've um, talked to and heard from. Absolutely. Is uh, Juan feeling good about it? I think he is feeling really good about it. Um, I know he also had, um, partly through, through, um, kind of requests on my part, I know that he's helping kind of push this, um, a little more on social media and, um, just, uh, giving it greater publicity in general than, um, nice. we have in the past. Um, I don't think he was necessarily doing, doing less the first couple volumes on purpose, but, um, I think just, yeah, I really made a, a concerted effort to, to make that request of him to try to really kind of push the PR for this act. Yeah. Um, partly because as, as we've kind of talked about, I do think it is the best one so far. Um, it's also just kind of a reflects, um, as a self publisher, kind of, I guess, a, a, the next step in the process of me really just trying to get as many people involved in publicizing this as possible, um, and doing other things, including like Facebook ad campaigns, stuff like that, um, tied Going together on, with, I had like, yeah, and I had, uh, KDP free deal for Act 1 a, co- a couple weeks before Act 3 released, and then, um, like a KDP discount. Uh, countdown for Act Two right after that, and so I've really kind of tried, tried to, I guess, line everything up a little bit better and just really make it uh, have, just get it in the public's eye a little bit more. And Juan definitely has been helping out with that. Um, but I do think um, just from just the work he's producing and just our our, our communication, he's very happy with wh- what we've been able to accomplish. Nice, nice. There are. Um I mean, there, there are so many great details throughout the whole thing. I mean, his, he's such a brilliant artist. Oh, but yeah. there, there are two things that, um, uh, I noticed going through it. One is, uh, I, I think just a silly thing and one's much more serious. Sure. Um, so I'll start with the serious thing. Uh, I absolutely adore the cover of issue 18. Um, and reflect, sorry. Which one is oh, that? sorry. That's the. I think it's the last one, um, and it, it's the the one where Marcus and his father are reflections of each oh, other. Oh yes, 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 yeah, um, yeah. That's an incredible um, cover in general, um, and I know that he's done. Uh, he and we, I guess, has done. Well, yeah, no, just he. I'm not going to even take credit for that. Uh, for other c- covers within the series, we he's really done a good job of kind of that um, using that sim- type of symmetry and. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, at the same time, setting up some contrast, uh, either because of their different characters, uh, like issue 18, which has Marcus and his father as the two kind of people on, I guess, these 
not necessarily flip sides of the coin, but flip sides. It's almost like a, um, like a playing card. Yes. Or mirror, um, mirrored, I guess. Yep. Exactly. Uh, that's a great comparison. Um, but then I know we've done stuff like that with like, um, Hunter being torn between, uh, on one side, his mom in the present day, and then his dad on the other, his like bleeding dad on the other side in uh, uh, the past. And so I think that is something Juan definitely excels at is really kind of creating that balance, but also creating enough contrast and, and difference to kind of create that dynamism too. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I, I don't, I, I really don't want to give anything away, but the, um, the foreshadowing of that, I saw that, 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 uh, that cover and I, I knew what was going to happen and hoped it wasn't going to. Yeah. You know yeah, I mean? that is, oh, I definitely know what you mean. And that's, I mean, I think that's again, Classic literature, classic tra- tragedy. Um, not that everything is going to actually end up tragic for all of these characters, because I do want to have some bright spots. Um, but there is that in classic tragedy, there is that kind of sense of like, you know what's going to happen, but you keep hoping that some somebody is going to make a uh, choice one way that's going to derail that that path and lead you lead us somewhere else, but it, it's not going to happen. <laughs> right. Excellent, excellent. I really look forward to it. And then the uh, the silly thing I noticed, and it's just because of of who I am as a person, and also I think because this is uh, sort of the the final draft, but not the published draft. Correct. Um, there were a couple of places where um, the text was deliberately small because it was supposed to not be able to be read. Yes. <laughs> but yeah. because I was on my iPad, I could actually zoom in and read it. <laughs> yes. Um... Oh, it just made me laugh. Oh yeah, I, I don't think I do that all the time, but every now and then I like throwing in a little bit of that, um, just to, to try to, if, if anybody is gonna zoom in enough to, to try to give them that little added bonus. Um, gotcha. Well, I'm glad I found it then, then that it was an Easter egg that was intentional. Nice, yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know, I just, I appreciate those little details that are, that are just throughout it, so. Thank you. Yeah, I'm glad you appreciated it. That's actually one of those things that I almost even forgot that I, that I did, to be honest. It's, I guess, that much of an Easter egg. So, yeah, congrats on finding it. Thanks, thanks. <laughs> I'd like to thank like my, my mother for causing, causing me to have, me have OCD. OCD. <laughs> no. uh, just kidding. Um, so, what else have you got going on? I know uh, we were talking before about Beowulf. Um, it, it hadn't quite materialized yet when when we talked last um but you were talking a little bit about the show uh before we brought you on the show um how's that going what's up with that so it's going overall really well um so beowulf is being published by marcosia and they're just um uh harry marcos the publisher and kind of the editor of the series uh is just being really um very supportive but also I, i think especially in terms of um he's very supportive and flexible in kind of the format of the series that i uh um the way we want to release it and kind of this, this, the way we want to pace it. Um, in many ways, it's actually very different from Rebirth the Gangster because like the first volume, the first story arc was really self-contained. Um, it, it was a 54-ish page um, kind of prestige graphic novel or, or whatever you, you, would, you would like to call it. And it was, um, yeah, self-contained. Uh, even though there, it's part of a larger story, we're going to continue the series uh, for three more story arcs at the very least. Um, it's, and so it adds to that whole story, but it really, um, was, I wanted to try to kind of maybe take some of those lessons I learned from writing act three, Rebirth the Gangster, um, in, in like, 
um, how I increased the pace and how I was able to juggle plot, character, tone, theme, all that stuff a little bit more concisely. And I was able to kind of throw that into Beowulf. Um, and, I, and I'm really happy with it. Um, J.M. Ringway is the artist. He uh, has worked um, in many with many people, um, probably most famous for Transhuman with Jonathan Hickman maybe about a decade ago. Oh, gotcha. Um, so is yeah, that the one they based the movie off of with Johnny Depp? I don't think so. I thought that they were doing. I thought that Amazon had optioned. Gotcha. Like gotcha. Prime had optioned Transhuman as a TV show, but I could be. Could You're be probably right, and I'm probably well, wrong. <laughs> you never know. Um, but yeah, I love working with Jam, and it's also nice to work kind of um, in color. I think Rebirth of the Gangster makes sense, perfect, and it's perfect as black and white. I think color uh, being in color for that story would actually kind of lessen it but yeah. it's really nice to kind of press that those boundaries and so um march 3rd uh, i believe was the date early march of this year um that first prestige one shot came out um as a print and ebook copy i know it's available on like comiXology amazon stuff like that um we are currently um working on that the second story arc um called beowulf the haunting of chinatown the first one was beowulf um shadow over Innsmarch. Nice. Uh, the Shadow Brains March, um, which that title really is trying to make explicit um, uh, or more more explicit the connection to Lovecraft. Technically, it's Innsmouth, but I just like the, the sound of Innsmarch personally. Um, but so we're that. working on the second. Yeah, we're working on the second one, which is actually going to kind of slow the pace a little bit more. It's going to be um, a five issue story arc, The Haunting of Chinatown. We've finished the first issue, um, and that is. Um, it's been submitted to Comixology, and I believe in about a month it should be released. Um, I don't know the specific date, release date for that yet, just because sometimes Comixology, um, their submission process takes a little bit longer. Um, gotcha. And it's not completely um, predictable in the best of times. Um, right. So, so we're working on this. So I've written the second script, or the issue, this, the script for the second part of that. Um, Jam is illustrating that. To be honest, we. He has been going a little bit more slowly, um, just because he has, like, no childcare, so he has the kid at home and stuff like that, and so he's just been moving a little bit more slowly, but the plan is to do this story arc, um, and then this, the next story arc is gonna be actually more like, uh, a return to the, the original, where we're gonna really have that fast-paced, self-contained stories, it's gonna be, like, one-parters, two-parters, um, and there's gonna be an over, un- there's gonna be an overarching, plot point and really an overarching kind of character point um that sets up the the final act um but it's going to be a nice chance to kind of um play with some uh monsters some some lovecraftian monsters but other monsters and try to kind of throw a modern twist on it um nice and so um yeah so that's just uh going to be that's kind of pretty exciting to me just to kind of again kind of Switch things up, and then the the final story arc is going to be another kind of longer five issue story arc story arc that is actually going to be kind of the culmination of all the threads from the the first few story arcs leading up to that point. Um, and it's just, yeah, I'm really excited about that. I think I'm also kind of, it's just that it, uh, there, I'm a little nervous or just anxious about the fact that it's going to be kind of like Rebirth the Gangster. It's going to be another however many years to see us through the, to see. Us right. through this whole story um and so that part's maybe a little um i have a little trepidation and but i i only owe it 
to myself, right? I, I'm getting to the end of this one, and so I decided I wanted to start something new, I guess. Yep, um, yep. Uh, God, so the coloring is, is so incredible in, in the uh, the Amazon preview of it. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, JM does the coloring, um, uh, does all the coloring. He does all the artwork. Um, and he is really particular, especially about the coloring and the lighting. Um, I know that maybe at least five times over the over the course of Beowulf so far, he's sent me a page and then he also, and then in that email he also sent, sent a page. Here's a, a page, a couple, or here's, here's page 17 and then here's page 13. I tweaked the lighting a little bit and, um, I maybe can tell a little bit the difference, but, uh, at least when I'm looking at it in that, in that, right. um, like isolated instance, um, but I think it helps the reading, overall reading experience a huge amount. Um, and just, yeah, that attention to detail, I really appreciate from him. It's fantastic. Yeah. The lighting, I mean, even, even just on the cover itself is just, it's so good. So, yeah, and that nice. that was actually also a big part of why I I picked him or selected him as the artist for Beowulf, um, is that he was able to really capture that kind of the atmosphere and tone um, through color that I really wanted to. Um, and he's gotcha. also really good at balancing kind of like natural environments, urban environments, and a whole bunch of different characters. So that's really cool too. Nice. Yeah, that's there's one thing I noticed just in the in the preview there was the the landscape pictures and the way that the the sun was setting and and how the light worked and how it was kind of muted because that's what sunset is like versus um even in the city, you know, it was kind of gray and cement and and you know, cardboard jungle kind of feel yep. to it. Mm-hmm. Um really good. I I I'm excited. I'm going to have to check this out now. Um, and this you, is, yeah. uh, if I recall correctly, uh, it's, it's like Beowulf meets Lovecraft, right? Yes, yeah, I guess both with Rebirth the Gangster and this have kind of slow played the, like, bigger pitch, I guess. Um, but yeah, it's Beowulf meets Lovecraft, Lovecraftian horror, um, in the modern day. Um, and so I would say the tone and the, I guess, like, the creatures or the monsters, the exiled gods, my substitute for the other gods, that owes a, is, owes a huge amount to Lovecraft. Um, in terms of Beowulf, it's more, I think, the bigger story arc, you will see kind of the connection to Beowulf, and it's really especially that character of um, of Bay Brenda, Amy Edmonton, that she's the, the kind of the foil for Beowulf in the modern-day version, um, and struggles with some of the things that I at least see in uh, Beowulf's character, the like kind of arrogance, the desire to kind of be a hero, to be seen, uh, uh, essentially the desire for fame, um, Versus the desire to like art to actually do the right thing and be the hero, um, just for the sake of being a hero. Nice. Ah, oh, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. Um, let's see. Uh, since we last spoke, you have left teaching, or did you leave b- before that? Um, I can't remember. I essentially my last uh, year of teaching was uh, the 2018-2019 school year, so June. Gotcha. Of 2019 was when I was my was the end of my teaching career, um, and then I, now I my day job, which I started last July, so it's been just a little over a year. I work uh, in as QA a QAer for some healthcare software, so it's still kind of a able to do something um, with a day job that has I guess like a meeting and helps people like teaching did nice. but it's weights. So definitely a little bit easier for me in terms of like the introvert and the person who doesn't want to be up in front of people all day long. Um, yeah, not to mention the workload of teaching. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, 
And it also, yeah, offers, in, because of that lesser workload, offers some more flexibility in, in my writing and uh, publishing. So that's also one of the reasons I made that move. And so far, I love it. Um, nice. Of course, I'm waiting for the day that writing and publishing becomes the day job, but that's... Absolutely. Uh, well, and it's you know, getting closer, but that's not Yeah, quite it's got to be. It, I, I, I can't imagine how it's, how it's far away uh, after reading this, so... Thank you. Yeah, you are, can hope. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hope springs eternal. That's been my mantra these days. <laughs> you desperately uh, need it. Yes, 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 yes. So, um, are, is there anything else? Anything new? Any, uh, what, what should our listeners be watching on Netflix, according to you, for, uh, for COVID relief? Cool. So I actually have not been, like, binging TV as much as I, um, as I thought I would be. Um, I actually have been, on Netflix, it's mainly been Ship's Creek, um, so it's more of a lighter fare. Um, nice. So I like that a lot. I've on TV, I've been watching the new season Nosferatu, which I think Zachary Quinto is pretty good, and I, and I like uh, the show itself. I forgot um, that was on. Is that, yeah, it, what channel is that? Uh, AMC, I believe. And AMC. there's, alright, I gotta make a note. There have been <laughs> three eps, or three episodes of this season, but I'm sure you can find it pretty easily. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that's pretty good. It's, I actually have been using this time more to really just, yeah, read a lot. Um, Partly, I bought uh, like a, a caseload of graphic novels, like 60 of them or something around nice. when it started. And then I just have stuff of my own that's in my library that I've been rereading or reading for the first time, finally getting around to it. Um, that, yeah, just maybe stuff I've had for like a year or a couple years and I've just never gotten around to it. I'm sure we all know that game of buying more oh, than yeah. we um, can I consume. have... Uh... I've got. Let's see. Let me just let me just look over on my dining room table where I'm sitting. I've got three books right now that I haven't really opened, Which but they're on my they? table, so that's oh, yeah. better than that's on my fast. shelf, right? Yep. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, well, thanks for being with us. Uh, you want to tell our listeners where to find you and where to find your uh, your wares? Sure. Um, if I can also quickly before that plug, I did on January first release a book. A collection of essays, so even though I've largely written comics, I do have that book. It's called Outside the Panels, Comics, the Classroom, and the Creative Life. Um, it's a collection of essays, and it kind of follows that that um, three-part structure of comics. I kind of start with the influence comics had on me growing up, and um, I write some appreciation of some specific comics uh, in general, in, uh, some specific comics. Uh, but then it moves to the classroom, uh, focusing mainly on teaching graph, creating and teaching the graphic novel classroom at the high school I used to teach at. And then the last section is the creative life, which kind of takes you behind the scenes of how I've created Rebirth of the Gangster, um, and just other aspects of the creator's life, like some of my, some, uh, reflections on cons I've been to, stuff like that. Uh, mm-hmm. so that's also available on like Amazon, Barnes and Noble, um, wherever you want to buy books. Um, so, yeah, sorry, I wanted to throw that in there. Oh, no, you're good, um, you're good. I'm glad you did. Yeah, thank you. Um, but in terms of, so you can find those again on Amazon, Barnes & Noble. In terms of where you can find me, uh, you can Facebook, you can follow me on Facebook, CJ Standle, but there is also CJSP, CJ Standle Productions on Facebook. That's the um, my publishing company. Uh, and then on Twitter and Instagram, it's the same tw- handle. It's at CJ underscore Standle, S-T-A-N-D-A-L. Um, and then as far as 
just websites. Uh, you can come visit my website, cjstandleproductions.com. Um, and there I have, uh, just new, uh, news. I have some free comics. Uh, if anybody wants to see why I'm a writer and not a drawer, and not a, and not a penciler, not an illustrator, you can look at those and I think they're good comics from a conceptual standpoint, but you can see why I'm not drawing my own comics other than right, those nice. that I throw up for free. Um, and then it also does have links to, um, places where, to all the places you can buy the, Print books and ebooks that we've discussed. Um, and then, uh, if you're so inclined, it also does have information, um, that you can use to request some of these books from your local library. I'm a huge fan of libraries. Um, uh, I think, uh, I think it's, it'd be a great addition to libraries. And so, and I'm just a huge oh, fan of like the, the reach that they have and just the way that they can provide, um, graphic novels to people, to, People who might not normally buy that specific graphic novel. It's just, I think, a nice way to, um, reach a bunch of people in, um, not just for my graphic novel, even though, of course, I want that, or graphic novels, even though, of course, I want that, but I just think the more that we can, um, kind of diversify any library's, um, collection, it's always for the best. Absolutely. Yeah. I think the, um, the first time I read through, um, the first story arc of Lock and Key, was because yep. the the local library had it, and they didn't just have it in print; they had it. Um, you could get the ebook. Oh wow, cool! Hmm. That yeah. is cool. Yeah, Mike Library has been doing the ebooks more lately, but it had they hadn't been doing a huge amount until this uh, COVID uh, pandemic had hit. Um, oh yeah. yeah, I think I've also had many experiences like that where I've got the first volume from the library, and maybe I even still read the next couple from the library, but then I go and buy the whole series, and so. Yep. I think it's a nice way to kind of expose people uh, or expose um, stories to people and see, yeah, maybe some people will like it and want to get it on their own. Um, Absolutely. Well, it's, it's a great like, way to try before you buy or just, you know, maybe maybe you don't like to own your stories. That's fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I like to own mine, but you do. You. I do, too. I do, too. But, yeah, sometimes we also have to work within a budget. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, too. That, too. <laughs> Uh, well, thank you so much for being with us. Um, I don't know if Travis is still here or not. Yeah. No, oh, there you are. I was waiting for you to give me the opportunity to ask a question. Oh, did you have a question? I'm sorry. <laughs> I, mean, I, I had some things I wouldn't mind throwing out there. I mean, normally oh, when, I, when I do this show, I was like, Joe, you got anything you want to add? I give you the opportunity instead of just kind of shoving me in the back corner here. I have no uh, practice. But, no, it's my own fault. I, I, I gave you an inch and you took a fucking mile. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just... <laughs> I, I do have a couple uh, just, just like, odds and ends kind of questions. Yeah, uh, cool. So, uh, on your Facebook, uh, I saw that you uh, you actually cosplayed as Hunter. Oh, yes. Um, so, yeah, I mean... I typically have my hair pretty short and trim, which mm-hmm. actually at this point is I'm going to be posting the, those pics soon. Um, but yeah, I just, my hair had been growing pretty long, um, and I probably needed a haircut right around when all these, uh, stay at home orders got implemented. And so, um, I kind of decided I might as well just keep growing it out. And I know that I'm going to be releasing this summer act three. And so it just kind of seemed like a perfect, um, kind of, perfect storm of uh, good things happening where I just, yeah, I grew my hair out as uh, l- as long as I could. Um, I would have liked maybe a little more time, but my time to grow up my hair before I took those pics just to be a little bit closer to Hunter. 
because um, his hair is slightly longer than me, but uh, my hair, it does not grow as fast as it used to. Um, but you yeah, got more, I, I dress... you got more bounce in your hair, too, I know yeah, yeah, I do. Um, <laughs> and my hair is very unpredictable, so yeah, like the, the pics that I posted are after not messing with my hair too much uh, for a few days, And but if yeah. I, like right after I shampoo it, it's like super frizzy and stuff, so it won't <laughs> be good as Hunter, but um, I surprisingly did not have a flannel shirt, so I had to order one of those and um, just yeah, tried to try to uh, yes. And then I had my girlfriend; she was the uh, the photog for the day, so she just um, did a great job, really um, getting giving me a bunch of options. And um, in some of the like Facebook ads I've had, I've kind of thrown out or some of those have had a bunch of those different options. But I think uh, the picture you might be referring to is. Um, the one that I think was the best, um, and that one I've posted just like two or so, like from my social media, as opposed yeah. to like a Facebook ad or something like that. Um, and uh, I think it, I think I look pretty good. Not gonna lie. Uh, yeah, you, you crushed <laughs> it, man. And and uh, and the reason I wanted to ask about it is because I know um, the the last time we talked, or even actually the first time you came on, uh, we we were talking about cosplaying at like these conventions and all the stuff, and you kind of spoke a little bit about like you know the nervousness of being out in public and kind of like like uh, almost that introvert kind of feeling. Yeah. Um, and going out and doing cosplay, and obviously 2020 was probably there was no conventions going on, so this year was probably the most difficult time to try to do that. But uh, I guess my biggest question was, um, you cosplaying as a character that you created, like how did that feel for you? Because I it know, felt, go, uh, I was just to say, felt pretty weird, especially since, um, even though I think there is good in all the characters that um, that Rebirth the Gangster focuses on, <laughs> Hunter's Hunter's probably the villain of the piece. Um, or yeah. again, I try to see the good in him, but I think he is the one that people can easily call the villain of the piece, and so it's also kind of odd, not just cosplaying as somebody I've created, but cosplaying as maybe not the person that I would choose. Um, like from a personal standpoint to necessarily represent me, but he is the character I look the most like. So, uh, so that was the one that I kind of went with, but yeah, it was a very weird kind of like out of body experience, kind of like seeing myself from myself kind of experience. <laughs> well, it's like, cause there's, I mean, I, I feel there's gotta be some kind of like sense of like pride when you could cosplay your own character i know like talking to a lot of like the uh, cosplayers we have on here and they talk about like you know like how much they love you know doing these cosplays because they're creating uh these costumes but i mean at the end of the day they're cosplaying somebody else that you know a creation of somebody else's like you had the opportunity to cosplay a character that came from your own mind and that's gotta be pretty cool like you know like when you sit there and like really think about it like like if you didn't create Hunter, like there would be no Hunter. So the opportunity to actually cosplay him is like, I mean, that it's it's from mind to body at that point. Yeah, it's a very, um, just, yeah, privileged and yeah. very, uh, very, very just wild experience. And yeah, I think even kind of you talking here has maybe kind of like slow down. And th- I think it's hitting me even a little bit harder now than it I, it did when I originally cosplayed. Um, I think. Something that would make it hit even more home um, would be to actually like cosplay and be at conventions that I'm tabling at yeah. as Hunter, and I think that would really make it uh, sink in um, and make it just feel yeah even more momentous. But obviously, that's mm-hmm. TBD on when we'll be able to do right. that. Yeah, yeah. That 
Yeah, and I think that'd be one of the coolest things, too. Like, when you get those fans who are able to come to your table at these conventions, and they see you dressed up as Hunter and getting their picture taken, like, realizing, like, like I mean, like, you... It's, it's, it's almost like that you kind of made it feeling at that point. It's like, I mean, they, they know who you are. They know, you know, the creations you made. It, it's just, it's like a weird pride thing that I would think that like anybody would have the ability to, like if, uh, like if Cartoon Joe was to cosplay me, I don't think I'd have any kind of pride in it because I think it's like, okay, you know, big deal. But for you, it's different. You know, like, I mean, this is a character out of a, out of a book that you wrote that, you know, the description of the character, his, his backstory, everything, I mean, that came from you. And the fact that now you have the opportunity to cosplay him because the similarities in physical appearance is pretty damn close. Yeah, it is and, pretty good. I might have a few more LBs than Hunter, but... <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I think it's pretty close. Um, and, yeah, it's it's just, yeah, it's a very surreal experience. Um, very, uh, yeah, I feel kind of just yeah. very blessed to be able to be in this place um, just in mm-hmm. general. Um, and yeah, I'm excited. I did, like I mentioned, I did cut my hair just cause I needed, my head needed the breathing room. Um, uh, I just, I'm not somebody who does super well with heat. So Mm -hmm. in the middle of the summer, I, I I held it for as long as I could through the release. But then once that was over, I cut it. Um, but I am looking forward to being able to regrow, to, to grow it back and have it more like in the winter. And then again, hopefully in cons and really, yeah, yeah, relive that experience. Yeah, and, uh, and just, yeah, <laughs> and just uh, the, the the last question I did have uh, between between writing Rebirth of a Gangster and working on uh, Beowulf, obviously two different complete uh, stories, two different complete set of characters and everything. How does the writing uh, the writing process differ from the two, or is it very similar uh, in the way of how you get uh, to the next level in the story? Uh, so I think it's. The process that for me has been pretty similar. I, I do tend to outline pretty heavily, uh, both on like the macro series level. Uh, that's true for both Beowulf and Rebirth the Gangster, but also I tend to outline pretty heavily, um, in, on like an issue by issue level, individual issue level. Um, I think the, so I don't think it really changes much from Beowulf to Rebirth the Gangster. I do think the thing that had, I think my process in general has changed, um, that even though I still am a very, uh, structured and, uh, outline driven person, um, mm-hmm. on that individual issue level, um, both for Rebirth of the Gangster and Beowulf, um, I've really been able to, like, outline the, the issue, but then feel way, way, um, more entitled or free to be able to, cross thing or to just ignore things in my outline to add something else because the because the way the scene is going it seems to make sense to add this and extend the scene and then maybe that means I won't have this other scene but yeah. um, but I'm cool with that and I know that I I have enough experience to know that I'll be able to um handle it to either cut cut the scene that needs to be cut or 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 shorten scenes that can be shortened, or combine scenes that can be combined. Um, and I think that's that part of my process has changed, but it doesn't, again, really change for um, Beowulf versus Rebirth of Gangster. It's just more, I think, a product of having more experience writing and more confidence and trust in myself. Yeah, it's not so much uh, the the process changes, but it more evolves as yes. you go through. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, that's that's the only two questions I really had. Um, again, your, your books are amazing. All three acts of Rebirth of the Gangster are absolutely amazing. Uh, all three are available uh, on Amazon, uh, either paperback or uh, Kindle. Um, and I'm excited to read Beowulf as well. 
you know, I'm excited. Thank to, you. I'm excited to, uh, to branch out more into, uh, this world and everything between, uh, between the stories that you're putting out there and the stories of other creators and stuff. It's really cool to kind of see a whole nother world that I've been, uh, lack of a better word, ignorant to my whole life. So. Well, I'm glad we hooked you. Um, and yeah, it's yeah. really an exciting time. So yeah, I really appreciate, um, all the praise. And just again, I really appreciate, uh, you all having me here again. It's always a pleasure. Yeah. Um, and always a fun, really fun time. Yeah, yeah. Always welcome back anytime. Yep, thank you. I'll definitely hold you to that for the next Beowulf and Rebirth the Gangster releases. And right. of course, I'm sure something else I'll be coming up with at some other point. Alright, yeah, just, in the future. <laughs> you, gotta keep those, you gotta keep those ideas flowing, man. Yep. Alright, Joe, uh, lead us into a, into a plug. Do your thing, Joe. Joe, be part of this. <laughs> Alright, I guess we'll, uh, we'll have to a plug. I don't know what you want from me. <laughs> I, I, anything, anything more than what you're willing to do, I guess. Products! <laughs> this freaking show is brought to you by Audible.com. If you like, uh, if you'd like to read as much as I do, if you enjoy a good book, head on over to audibletrial.com slash freaknet. Maybe you don't like to read. Maybe you like to have things read to you. Head on over to audibletrial.com slash freaknet and you will get a 30 day free trial plus your first credit toward a free book. Uh, I recommend during this, this time of extended, uh, uh, staying at home to, to pick something longer, something really good. Maybe something by Stephen King. Maybe check out The Stand or It or any of the Dark Tower books. Anything in that category, you're going to find something that's at least 30 to 40 hours long, which is going to get you through a whole week of listening. Um, so head on over to audibletrial.com slash freaknet today. All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, this past week, uh, we actually lost a, uh, a, a great member of the, uh, the country uh, music community as, uh, Charlie Daniels has passed away. And, uh, we definitely didn't want to end the show without, uh, making mention of it. Um, me, uh, being a huge country fan, grew up on, uh, Charlie Daniels. Uh, two favorite, uh, Wooly Swamp was one, and then obviously, um, that one down to Georgia is one of the big ones as well. And I figured the best way we could give tribute to Charlie Daniels here on this freaking show is to, uh, bring back for one night only, uh, until October, uh, bring back the Freak Joe. Uh, cause Freak Joe is also a huge fan of, um, Charlie Daniels. So, uh, if you guys will, uh, enjoy, uh, a dramatic reading of Devil Went Down to Georgia by the one and only Freak Joe. The Devil Went Down to Georgia. He was looking for a soul to steal. He was in a bind because he was way behind, and he was willing to make a deal. When he came upon this young man, sawing on a fiddle and playing it hot, and the devil jumped up on a hickory stump and said, Boy, let me tell you what. I guess you didn't know it, but I'm a fiddle player too, and if you'd care to take a dare, I'll make a bet with you. Now you play a pretty good fiddle, boy, but give the devil his due. I'll bet a fiddle of gold against your soul, cause I think I'm better than you. The boy said, my name's Johnny, and it might be a sin, 
But I'll take your bet, and you're going to regret, because I'm the best that's ever been. Johnny Rosen, up your bow, and play your fiddle hard, because hell's broke loose in Georgia, and the devil deals the cards. And if you win, you get this shiny fiddle made of gold. But if you lose, the devil gets your soul. The devil opened up his case. He said, I'll start this show. And fire flew from his fingertips as he rosened up his bow. Then he pulled the bow across the strings. It made an evil hiss. And a band of demons joined in, and it sounded something like this. When the devil finished, Johnny said, Well, you're pretty good, old son. But sit down in that chair right there and let me show you how it's done. He played fire on the mountain, run, boys, run. The devil's in the house of the rising sun. Chicken in a bread pan, picking out dough. Granny, does your dog bite? No, child, no. devil bowed his head, because he knew that he'd been beat, and he laid that golden fiddle on the ground at Johnny's feet. Johnny said, devil, just come on back if you ever want to try again. I told you once, you son of a bitch, I'm the best that's ever been. He played fire on the mountain, run, boys, run. The devil's in the house of the rising sun. Chicken in a bread pan, picking out dough. Granny, does your dog bite? No, child, no. Once again, uh, ladies and gentlemen, that was a dramatic reading of Devil Went Down to Georgia by the one and only Freak Show. Goosebumps, Cartoon Joe. Was. Goosebumps. It was goosebumpy, man. Oh, good. I'm glad. Freak, Freak, Freak Joe knows what he's doing. Don't take credit for what he does. I wasn't. I was glad. I was relieved. Yeah. Oh, he doesn't, he doesn't usually, he's usually asleep from yeah. October to October. Yeah, he, uh, I, I, I know, uh, I don't, I don't know how he knew that, uh, Daniels passed away. It must have been a sense kind of thing because he reached out to me. Yeah, so. You know, get, I'm gonna give him his moment of why not. You know, a little bit of freak Joe in July doesn't hurt anybody. Nope. Especially not during a pandemic. Not during a pandemic. <laughs> he probably didn't even know that shit was going on. Nope. No, last thing he knew is, uh, you know, fucking uh, Halloween was on a Friday. Thursday? I don't fucking remember. I don't remember uh, either. Yeah. Joe, what are you freaking thinking about? Oh, I had an answer to this. What am I freaking thinking about? Excellent. Uh, probably, honestly, fitness. I've been thinking a lot about, uh, I've really been enjoying our diet challenges and I'm, I'm really excited to be getting into better shape. Um, I did today 50 push-ups and 100 squats. Nice. Which is, uh, which is pretty good for me. I, uh, you know, like four weeks ago, I could barely do 10 push-ups. So I'm really happy about that. Squats, not a huge problem, but it was still, uh, I actually, I almost reached failure. Uh, the, I, my, I did enough squats that my legs almost quit on me. So that was fun. It's, it's, I haven't done anything like that in a really long time and, uh, it's enjoyable. It's enjoyable to do, to get fit. Um, and I've been really enjoying, you know, learning about stuff on YouTube. I've been following, uh, I, I mentioned on our, on our vlog that we did this morning, um, the, the buff dudes YouTube channel that I've been enjoying, um, uh, there's a, there's a couple of other people. I, I can't remember their names off the top of my head right now, but, um, it's just, it's been really interesting to learn about this stuff. It's been so completely not a part of anything that I've learned about before. So it's, it's, it's been nice. So I, I guess, yeah, fitness, you know, getting in shape, getting healthy. Nice. How about you? What have you been freaking thinking about? 
uh, you know, I, I, I'm kind of on the same boat uh, as you are with uh, with these journeys that we're doing in the dieting. Uh, my my dry waste board came uh, one day early. It showed up today, so nice. I'm, yeah, so I'm gonna get that set up uh, in my uh, guest room slash uh, workout uh, area, so I can start marking down uh, the workouts I did do uh, on a daily basis. Uh, I also um, finished. Uh, doing some projects around the house as far as I finish up uh, a patio that I needed to get done and repainting a uh, old door that's uh, on the back side of the house. But I'm trying to get back into these uh, wood projects that I talked about uh, a few weeks ago, you know, with the refinishing and all that. And oh, yeah. my uh, my mom gave me the idea to uh, create these uh, cooler carts that uh, have been really popular lately. Uh, so I'm going to start looking into that. So I'm really excited for that. Um, there should be a surprise uh, for next week that I'm going to hold off to until then. But really, right now, it's it's the dieting, it's the getting in physical shape. Uh, not only you know if, you know for, for appearance wise, but for health reasons as well. More health reasons than anything, but also to start looking good. Uh, you know, dating scenes, you know, coming right around the corner and shit. And the last thing I need is to, you know, try to belly up to a table I can't reach with my own fucking hand. So, uh, progress. Really? Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hey, Joe. Yes. Every week our listeners can catch Cartoon Joe here on this freaking show. But if an hour a week of Cartoon Joe just isn't enough for our listeners, where can they go? If you need more Cartoon Joe, you can find me over at the GeekCast Live podcast at violentpress.com. You can also find us on Facebook, iTunes, Google Play, and Twitter by searching GeekCast Live. Perfect. Guys, make sure to pick up your This Freaking Show merchandise at TeePublic, that's T-E-E-P-U-B-L-I-C dot com. Search TFS, that's for This Freaking Show, and pick up uh, some of your amazing merchandise. It's t-shirts, uh, notebooks, phone cases, magnets, pins, stickers, hoodies, baby onesies, tank tops, uh, cell, laptop cases, so many different uh, varieties of uh, merchandise is available. Again, TeePublic.com, search TFS. Pick up your This Freaking Show merchandise. Every sale there helps us out here. Uh, if you haven't yet, make sure you are following us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, just by searching This Freaking Show. And you can find us every single week on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Podbean, just by searching This Freaking Show. Guys, that's all I got. As always, I am Travis D. And I'm Cartoon Joe. And thank you for listening to another episode of This Freaking Show. I'm out.